Welcome back to the Indie Worldwide Podcast. This episode started as a webinar. Um, we did a breakdown of Twitter growth. I went over all the tactics and stuff that I used to grow my Twitter account. I mean, we all started at zero, right? But I started two years ago, just below a thousand followers, decided to take it seriously, uh, got better and better at it over time, and now I'm at uh, 11,000 followers. Uh, most of that growth was in the last year. Um, couple things you can't see in the podcast because you're listening, right? You're not watching, uh, is the exponential growth curve that um, I found my Twitter follower growth followed. Uh, and I, a lot of people seem to find this as well because there's virtuous cycles when you're building on social media. Yada, yada, yada. We go into that in the pod. Um, this episode is sponsored by uh, Biggin by Zoho CRM, your simplest and cheapest CRM option pretty much anywhere in the world. I looked, can't find anything cheaper or better, um, so check it out. Uh, there's a link in the description that you can use to get 50% off, zoho.2 forward slash all caps indie worldwide. Highly recommend you check them out. What the heck is a CRM, though? That stands for Customer Relationship Manager. Uh, so if you're trying to do something like grow your Twitter account to 10,000 followers, it can be really helpful to keep track of who the heck it is you're interacting with. Uh, one of the things that I go in a lot on this webinar is the importance of relationship building on Twitter and creating a community around yourself, um, finding your people. Uh, it's so much easier to do if you keep track of who you're talking to, and that's exactly what a CRM helps you do. Uh, so if you're looking for a, an option that costs just a few dollars a month, uh, I think Zoho is a really good choice, and they were kind enough to sponsor this podcast. So shout out Zoho, check them out, link in the description. Without further ado, we will now jump into the webinar. All right, so what is the point of this call? Why are we here? Um, we're going to talk about Twitter growth, so why you might want to grow an audience on Twitter, like what you can do with that, and mostly just strategies to get there. So um, ooh, ooh, ooh. this is my Twitter growth over the last like 10 years. I've been on Twitter since 2013. Um, when I first started, I didn't know what I was doing. I mostly just posted pictures of sandwiches uh, and yeah, it was mostly a sandwich-focused account back in the day. And I spent about seven years not using it at all. Two years ago, I started using Twitter again. And then only in this last year, as growth really kicked off to the point where now um, Twitter Crown's account is growing by about 1,000 followers per month. Um, and that didn't happen back then. And I think that anybody can do what I did. Um, if you're willing to put in like the time and the effort and the investment uh, into building that audience. So we're gonna cover a few things. One, like what is the point of audience building? How to design a profile that people want to follow? What to do to get to that first 1K, um, which kind of changes the game. And then what to do to get over a thousand. So actually I hear some background noise. Um, go ahead and mute everybody. Mute. We'll have times for like questions and stuff after, uh, and I have some suggestions of good questions also. Um, all right, so yeah, so there's like two big kinds of Twitter accounts you're gonna see on Twitter. One is people who are like famous for something else, right? These are your YouTubers, your like TikTokers, your actual celebrities and stuff. Uh, I'm guessing that's nobody here. If that's you, uh, 
and I get your autograph, bro, but also I don't think you need this talk. Um, the other kind of like big Twitter account is like what I would call the Twitter native. So this is me. This is like any bootstrapped indie hacker who's tweeting on Twitter. This is the people you're seeing in your feed every day. And this is kind of the um, Twitter growth I'm talking about. So if you already have a huge audience, you can just import them into Twitter a lot of times by sharing your handle. Um, not really relevant for you and I who are just trying to grow an audience natively on Twitter. So, um, yeah, here's the really short version of this talk. Just be interesting on Twitter and you'll grow. Uh, if, uh, if you can extrapolate from there, then maybe you don't need the rest. So we're going to go over some stuff that's just kind of basic, like how to make a profile that is followable. And then we'll dig into like the, okay, I'm trying to get to a thousand and then I'm trying to get to a thousand plus uh, up to 10,000. Um, yeah, so maybe we cover real quick, what's the point? So um, when you're first starting out on Twitter or any audience really, you're not gonna get much feedback, right? You're not getting any benefit right away. Um, when you have a larger audience, you start to get these kind of advantages. Like, obviously, it's great for sales, right? You can market whatever you're working on. Um, people see big accounts like uh, like Levels IO. They tweet about what they're building. They get like thousands of retweets and all these sales and things, and that's really exciting. Um, but even before then, Twitter's kind of like a hive mind, same as why people like post on Reddit or just ask questions to the internet. Why people post on Stack Overflow is to like crowdsource information. So when really valuable reason to have an audience is that it gives you a way to get answers to questions faster than you can Google them, especially when it's not simple things, when it's like hard to answer questions. Uh, the struggle here is that until people are paying attention to you, you don't actually get those benefits, right? So at the very beginning, you kind of really have to be much more outbound and social in your approach. Uh, you don't really get any inbound interest until you already have an audience and that can take a while. So uh, I want to cover first, like, common mistakes people are making off the bat. So if you're, like, below 100, we're often seeing, like, a, a profile like this on the left. Uh, random bot-looking name, uh, no profile picture, no information, 3,000 following. This person's almost definitely a bot, uh, but a lot of real people look like bots accidentally because they don't put any work into their profile picture, right? So step one, be interesting. Uh, step two, don't be boring. So here's a much better profile. Well, real face uh, tells a story, right? He left a 100,000 dev job to bootstrap a startup with his wife. That's interesting. I want to follow him. Um, you want to make a profile like the right side, not like the left side. So that's really like before you even begin, uh, make sure your profile is actually interesting enough for somebody to follow you. Um, so then we are on the less than 1,000 grind set. Uh, less than 1,000 Sigma grind set strategy. So if you um, are just starting off, right, like nobody's following you, how do you get past that so that people can see what you're talking about at all? Um, the trick is just to treat Twitter like a social network. So it's crazy. People think Twitter's an audience-building platform. It is, but it's really, it's also a social network, right? Um, unironically, it's a social network, and that means that you should use it to make friends. So uh, focus a lot of your time in your feed. Instead of tweeting, just focus on replying. And one trick that helps a lot is actually to go up here in this like 
um, sparkle emoji, click it instead of uh, the default, which is home, which will give you like the best tweets of the day. Instead, switch that over to latest um, so that you can be the first reply to your friends. Uh, when you're the first reply and you're giving informa interesting information. You muted yourself, Anthony. <laughs> thank you. Was I muted for long? No, no, no. Last okay, thank you. Yeah, so sort by new so you can be the first reply. And also um, just DM people that are interesting. Just reach out uh, directly. People are that one of the most, one of the greatest things about um, Twitter versus like email or LinkedIn or lots of these other things is people are really genuine. There's lots of information about you in your profile uh, and they can see what you're thinking from your tweets, right? So when you reach out to someone, it's automatically a little bit warmer than in a lot of other places and you're much more likely to get replies. Um, literally just saying, yo, or what's up, or hey, I love what you're working on is a great way to open a conversation on Twitter in a way that does not work on cold email. Um, so if you focus on having real conversations and actually trying to build relationships with people, um, one, they're going to like you, right? So they're going to want to, um, like interact with you, but two, actually the algorithm seems to favor people who you interact with most. So if you're replying on other people's tweets and if you're DMing them, then they're much more likely to see your activity because most likely they aren't sorting by new, right? They're probably using the algorithm, like the default algorithm, and the algorithm promotes people who you interact with. So you get a lot of advantages by sorting by new because everyone else isn't, and they're gonna see who they interact with most. Um, how long does that take to get from zero to 100? So the most recent account I was growing is called Bot Eat Brain. Started it, um, a like three months ago, um, already at 400 followers. It's kind of uh, just really following what I said. We didn't even do a lot of DMing. All I would do is follow people in the niche, make sure that the account profile is really clear and specific. And um, yeah, and, and then just sort by new and reply to people and tweet uh, interesting things occasionally. And that's really all it takes to get to like 100, even up to 1,000. You're just kind of grinding it out, following people. Um, oh, there's something else important to remember there. Mm. Oh, uh, follow, unfollow, right? So there's this kind of like uh, black hat strategy, right? Of like, you follow a bunch of people and then you unfollow them if they don't follow you back. Um, there is like the gray to like white hat version of that, which is follow everybody who you're genuinely, genuinely interested in. And then after you've seen them tweet for a while, like unfollow them if they're boring or irrelevant or um, like not active. A lot of people will follow you back. The trick is just not to shotgun it, actually like follow people who seem interesting. So a really underutilized part of Twitter is actually the search functionality. So like if I wanted to get more followers for this body brain account, if I'm just one of a grind all day on followers, then I'd probably search up things like generative AI, see who's talking about it, maybe going into like the people section, um, just based on the profile. Again, this is why profiles are really important. Um, follow the relevant people. You're going to get anywhere from like 10% or so followbacks. Um, and then maybe like, at the end of the day or once a week, kind of go through who I'm following, see if I'm still interested in these people, maybe unfollow. Uh, 
if they're not relevant just to keep my feed clean. You don't actually need to worry that much about the ratio. Like it is a bit of a quality signal, but it's more important just to keep your feed interesting to you um, so that you have good uh, content to reply to and interact with. Um, yeah, so like I said, we'll have time for lots of questions at the end. We can kind of dive in deeper on tactics and things. Um, but that kind of grind is all it really takes to go from zero to 100 and then 100 to 1000. Now, um, so far I haven't talked at all about tweeting, right? Like, uh, all of this has just been about, um, interacting with other people and that's on, on purpose, right? When you first start out, nobody sees your tweets. So it doesn't matter what you tweet. You can tweet maybe once a day or something just for some context for when people click on your profile. But almost nobody's going to see your tweets at first because one, your tweets probably aren't that good yet because you haven't gotten used to writing interesting things. And then two, uh, nobody's following you. So by focusing more on interacting with other people, you solve that second problem of nobody is following you. Um, and you also get better at writing interesting things, which helps solve the first problem of not knowing how to write interesting tweets yet. Um, once you pass a thousand, right? So now we're in this like greater than thousand. Now we're optimizing. Um, so there's lots of ways to like optimize tweets, like, um, but it's gonna be specific to you, your brand, like the your niche and the your like specific audience. So I'm really focused on like indie hackers, bootstrappers, builders. Um, so like the build in public format works really well for me, but um, Whoever you are, like where you go for stats is kind of the same. So first off, every single tweet you tweet has this like um, analytics button on it. And you can click that to get information about how well your tweet is doing. So you can see impressions, engagements, detail expands, profile visits. Uh, there's only like two important things to look at. So it's the engagement to impression ratio. As long as that's above 10%, it means your tweet is still growing and profile visits. That's how many people clicked on your profile, which correlates really strongly with uh, follows. So you wanna optimize for this like 10% or greater growth and for people clicking on your profile. Uh, and the goal with analyzing this is to try to find like four repeatable formats that you can use over and over again um, to keep growing. So I started using earlier this year, this tool called Typefully. You don't have to use Typefully, you can use like literally over here, I just have imported a lot of statistics straight from Twitter into this spreadsheet. Um, there's illo.so, there's Blackmagic, there's tons, there's Hype Fury, there's tons of tools. I like this one because it's pretty. Um, but the important part is it lets you analyze, instead of needing to click every tweet, I can just go in here and see my engagement rates, uh, my profile click rates, my impressions, all of that. So I really often will go in here so I'm just I'm just gonna go all the way back. Do, 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 do. April. Mm -hmm. And while that's loading, let me show you the free version, right? So built into Twitter is like Creator Studio Analytics. It gives you kind of an overview. Um, you can see your like month over month growth, tweets, impressions, profile visits, mentions, new followers. Um, this is like the, the really manual version of Twitter analytics. It's what I was using before I started using Typefully. Uh, so, okay. So here's my last, whoa, what is that? Six months, seven months almost of growth. 
Um, engagement rate, profile conversion rate is kind of misleading. Um, it's more helpful to just look at number of profile clicks. So if I compare this like profile clicks to number of followers daily, I'm just doing this so that you can see the correlation more clearly. All right, so you can see the kind of spikes in profile clicks correlates with spikes in uh, followers. And so you're really optimizing, not for impressions, not just the raw number of people seeing your tweets, but how many people are clicking on your profile. Because um, that's what I found really correlates strongly with uh, growth. Um, so since I started using Typefully, I can now do some analysis to see which tweets in particular led to profile clicks. And then I know to tweet more stuff like that. So here I'm sorting by the tweets that led to the most profile clicks. The first one's like a jokey tweet. The second one is a thread. Um, but then you start to see like, oh, like a lot of these are kind of formulaic tweets about MRR milestones, and which works really well for me because one, people always like reading about money. Two, my um, like audience in particular is indie hackers, bootstrap builders, right? So it really resonates. Um, and it's interesting, right? So they want to see what I'm doing. So this format has worked really well. The other one I found, which is so dumb, is that just saying, hey, I updated something in my bio makes people click the bio to see what updated, right? And as long as it's interesting, now they're probably going to uh, subscribe, or at least they have a chance to not subscribe, but follow. So uh, here's like a really good one. Just updated my banner image. Now you can see at a glance where I am. Um, but notice I don't screenshot it. I force them to go look at my profile. They click, they hopefully follow. Um, yeah, so another build in public one, revenue number. Another one that works, I find works well for my audience is like selfies, um, high engagement. Uh, another one about bio, talking about goals and stuff. So this is kind of a good transition of what to talk about when you have nothing to talk about. Um, I can't tweet about passing revenue goals if I haven't launched anything yet, right? I can talk about like what my goals are for the year, like what is my plan, what things I want to do, um, things I'm learning about are all also really good. Uh, so I'm gonna show you guys another hack for Twitter search. You can use, Twitter has a really good like advanced search filter. So um, I've just kind of memorized the dorks, which are like from, so dorks are like uh, these like keywords that let you do advanced search. I'm Anthony Castrio. You can also do it by searching anything in this bar and then going to advanced search and then it'll, Twitter will help you build the advanced search. So I want to see from my own self, everything with at least 100 likes um, all time, and then it'll sort by top. So this lets me see things that aren't captured by Typefully, and it lets me see things from other founders. So say I want to like snoop on Noah Bragg, right? Let's get his handle from Noah Bragg, min faves, 100. Now I can see what works for this, uh, for this founder who's um, tweeting at a similar audience as me, right? 
Uh, so he's tweeting about a small revenue milestone. That's awesome. Back in 2021, here's a meme that did well for him. Um, here's some a thread about what he's learning about Lazy Lions. Uh, then if I remember some particular tweet from him that I want to look up, it's like, uh, all right, I remember he tweeted some stuff about building a public. Let's look at that. Ah, here's a good one. I'm going to start a new SaaS build in public starting tomorrow. And look, oh, wow, that got a ton of likes. So there's a tweet about something he hasn't even done yet, right? And now you can kind of copy that format for your own self. Um, so one thing I used to do when I was lacking for inspiration and still do occasionally now is pick some big famous Twitter account, um, just read all of their best tweets, and then see if I can tweet about my own work in a similar way. So like Naval is a really popular Twitter account, right? It's one of the biggest, I would say, Twitter native guys. Um, 1.9 million followers, so we know we want to sort by just his bangers, right? So that's going to be like above uh, 10,000. Min saves 10,000. Now we can see some of his like biggest hits, um, which tend to just be one-liners. And you don't ever want to copy someone else's content, but you can absolutely steal their style, just rip it off. Twitter's not that creative of a place. If you're on TikTok, you grow by following trends. Twitter, it's the same shit. Um, if you, you can always kind of copy the, the wrapping paper, adapt it to your own story, your, the, your things that you're learning, um, and you'll often get similar results by just kind of um, copying somebody else's style. So you don't want to stick to just copying one person. Copy lots of people, right? That's how you develop your own style. And... Um, and also you, you might find that different styles resonate more with your particular audience than others, right? So one day you might be copying Naval, it works. The other day you're kind of copying the style of Noah or myself and it stops working, right? So you want to try out different things always and always try to um, put your own twist on it, right? So that's interesting. Step one, be interesting. For part two of this, I've been giving, so part one here, I've been giving my own perspective as like one particular builder. Um, I've invited Samantha, who's like a market analysis, uh, data ana analysis kind of expert, to give a broader perspective, um, just using like stats in general of what she's analyzed of Twitter. So Sam, do you have your slides ready? Yeah, I have them ready. Um... Cool, you want to take over presenting? Yeah. So we're kind of, we're going to go through some Twitter data in general, and uh, there'll be some back and forth. I'll give my like perspective but hopefully this takes it beyond just anecdotal to a bit more scientific. Okay, uh, screen's loading. In the meantime, just sharing a little bit about myself. Uh, my name is Samantha Williams and I am a business research analyst. And so what I've been doing with Anthony is actually looking at the platform itself and doing data analysis on some of his followers to give you a better understanding of what your journey would look like um, just from your perspective. So starting off, when you're below 100 followers, the biggest thing is that every follower counts. And so you're feeling the full mental impact of your follower account. And when you go through, for example, what is called a like count, which is the length of time that you get stuck at a particular number, it can be pretty depressing. And sometimes depending on the situation, what you're actually um, tweeting about, 
you can get stuck for weeks or months and not see any kind of results. So it's very important for you to kind of just be aware of just your level of motivation as you try to get past that, that 100 follower milestone. Another big thing is, of course, your unfollow rate. Be sure to watch that um, and take note of who is unfollowing you. So that way you're able to kind of um, understand who you want your audience to be. Um, and so sometimes, too, the timing of the unfollows can be really, really discouraging. Um, so just be sure to make sure not to put emphasis so much on um, the unfollow rate, but just understanding why people are unfollowing you so you can start to adjust and uh, find a more tailored audience. Yeah, I would and put a note on that, that it hurts so much when you like only have a few followers to see these people unfollowing and following you, but 90% of the time, it has nothing to do with you, right? They might be bots to begin with, they might be doing unfollow, unfollow, like follow unfollow strategies, uh, they might just be trying to clean up their feed. Um, it's really hard not to take it personally because when you only have like 10 follows and somebody follows you and then unfollows you the next day. But sometimes it has to do with your content. Sometimes it has nothing to do with you. Um, and like there's many like negative spirals that Twitter has designed into their platform. It's in many ways a fairly toxic place to hang out if you haven't curated your bubble well. Um, so be prepared to have really thick skin if you're, if you're going to go for it. Yeah, most definitely. And especially as you're growing, um, you're more likely to experience what is called a profile stall, especially when you start hitting those mini milestones of like you're getting 10 and then you get 20 and then you get 30. And then all of a sudden it feels like you're not getting any engagement, you're getting less profile views, and you're not getting any follower growth. And this can be very anxiety inducing because you've already spent, you know, time and effort and energy into your profile and you thought it was working, you were gaining momentum, and then all of a sudden, everything kind of stops, and you're not sure why, and you're trying to figure out, like, what do I need to do next? So it's, it's very important that you understand that when you're below that um, 100 follower count, it's really an experimental phase. You're not going to really find um, that sweet spot so easily, and so, like, there's sometimes you just need to pivot, you need to make drastic changes. You may need to like reconsider like how you build your profile or just try something new and just experiment. So just to be aware of those profile stalls. Yeah, so much of like growing is creating like psychological bar barriers, putting yeah. up some shields, like taking things less personally, which is kind of, um, almost antithetical to what I said before, right? Like tweet Twitter like a social network. You want to go out and make friends and then also not take it too personally when those friends stop paying attention to you, right? It's like really hard kind of mental balance. And if you're not kind of watching, if you're putting too much time into Twitter, not watching out for your mental health, uh, you can definitely create some uh, really like negative thought processes. So go yeah. into it with like eyes open. So uh, just speaking of negative thought process, um, this is a representative chart. I actually scraped 
Anthony followers, the time when he reached 10K, and the time he had 3,804 people who had less than 100 followers. And what I did was I looked at the tweet count versus the follower count. And so on the negative extreme, somebody tweeted 40,060 tweets and only had 37 followers. And I... I, I don't know what's the motivation behind that. Um, that account is now a private account, so it may be a bot or it just may be somebody. <laughs> yeah, like, that's, that's insane. That's unreasonable. It's absolutely crazy. Right. And then on the positive extreme, um, somebody did zero tweets and had 98 followers. And this um, account was kind of vague. So those followers may have come from um, somewhere else. But in terms of the minimum base average, it's pretty much a 10 to 1 ratio. Um, some people hit their goals with a little less tweets. Some people hit it with a little more. But it's usually 1,000 tweets to 100 followers. So if yeah, you look I'll at share it, mine real quick just again for context. So like... 10,000 followers, almost twice as many tweets, right? 16,000. The ratio used to be way worse because I wasn't doing the analytics. But even if you look at like a real big boy on Twitter, um, like Peter Levels, right? He's, I think, tweeted, yeah, he's tweeted 100,000 times and he has 200,000 followers. So he's only gained two followers per tweet. Uh, our boy here has tweeted 200,000 times. So be, it's, it's a long process and it's a lot of um, time invested in order to get real traction. It gets easier and faster as you grow, but it's still even at the like highest levels, you're tweeting a ton to get any kind of attention. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So now let's kind of talk about the algorithm because that plays a very crucial point in your growth growth journey and the algorithm essentially is a reward and punishment system and it absolutely influences the probability of your um, getting to that goal, achieving that goal, how quickly or, or how slowly. And so the algorithm um, obviously is going to reward tweet consistency because it wants you to spend more time on the platform. It wants you to spend that energy on the platform. So it's definitely going to reward you for doing that. On the flip side, it's going to punish you if you don't. So if, for example, you were doing like you had a tweet streak, you were doing two weeks straight, you're getting traction, and then all of a sudden maybe you took a day off or you take two days off, and then you see a dramatic decrease in your reach. Um, that is by design. That is the algorithm punishing you and saying, we want your undivided attention. We need you to back on this platform ASAP. So just you have to be aware of these mechanics. Um, I recommend scheduling. Schedule <laughs> tweets a week. I schedule tweets up to a month ahead of time sometimes just to have at least one per day going out for the sake of my own sanity, right? Because I do not want to have to be on Twitter every day. I am often because it's kind of fun, especially as the audience grows. It gets more and more interactive. But um, if I had to remember to log in every day and post something manually, I don't know if it would happen. The other benefit of the scheduling is it uh, hooks you back in, right? So these platforms are designed to keep you hooked. Like it's, um, they're, they've built in these uh, potentially uh, morally questionable patterns to keep you addicted. But you can, if you're trying to grow on Twitter, if you're investing in it, you can use those to your advantage to keep yourself motivated. So I tweet things while I'm still asleep. I schedule so it goes out when I'm 
still sleeping. So I wake up and there's notifications and then that pulls me back in to like respond and, and activate. And that's how I kind of keep myself hooked in order to keep the momentum going. Um, but if I wasn't scheduling and during the times I haven't scheduled, like quickly, I quickly drop off. I quickly realize like, oh, it's been a month, you know, I haven't been on Twitter. And wouldn't you know it, um, zero people have followed me in that time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that really covers that tweet count. Um, scheduling definitely makes it easier. And also um, just having like a content system where you, you kind of do batch posts will also help um, with that as well. But even if you do all of these things, um, you have to keep in mind the engagement part of it because you can do a whole bunch of tweets but if you're not getting a minimum level of engagement per tweet that's definitely going to affect your reach and just affect um, how effective what you're doing is so just kind of just blasting out tweets is not going to work like it has to have a minimum level of engagement for the algorithm to reward you and uh, put you to more people to get more profiles and so like if you don't have consistent engagement, the algorithm will absolutely punish you for it. <laughs> and we could get more specific about the minimum engagement. Specifically, I've noticed above 10% engagement is when the tweet will continue to grow. Twitter will see it as like, oh, this is like an above average tweet and it'll keep sending it out to a wider and wider audience until it sees engagement drop kind of below 10%. I usually see tweets stop growing around like five, six. <laughs> they're dead yeah absolutely all right so now let's talk about getting to that glorious 1k and so what i did was i actually scraped somebody's profile um that's a follower of anthony and he fits into that minimum base average and so he has um, 1,013 followers, and he did 1,195 tweets. And so he fit into that nice little, um, you know, in terms of the, the, the average kind of sweet spot. And you may think, okay, if I hit that 1K, if I just get to that number, it will get easier. I'll be able to kind of justify the investment of the time and the effort and the work and all of these things. I'll be able to, to finally kind of get some breathing room. But that's actually not really the case. Um, if you look at the investment that he's actually putting in in this activity, um, he's doing 207 tweets. 376 replies, 238 retweets within two months. He is tweeting on average 10 tweets a day, 10 replies a day, with the most being 42 in a single day. Um, and then having like 121 activities on Twitter per day, with on Monday, 163 activities. And then the active hours being you know, 12 a.m. to 3 a.m. And, and 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. I mean, and, and 12 a.m. is the is the window of when he gets the most engagement. So it, it actually, the way how the, the, the platform is set up, what happens is that during that period of time when you're going from zero to 1K, 
you're becoming more and more dependent on the platform, right? The algorithm is actually being more and more efficient in achieving its goal for you to always be on the platform or need to be on the platform. And so what happens is a lot of times you end up putting in more work on just maintaining your audience, right? Getting the audience and then keeping the audience is like two separate jobs. So you've gotten this audience and all of a sudden there's this pressure to now maintain that audience, consistently keep people engaged, consistently still grow, consistently, um, you know, create content. And it becomes this hamster wheel that you can't get off because if you stop, and you know, it's like, okay, I, I put in all this effort and time, I, I can't stop when I finally achieve this, this particular goal. So you have to be aware of all of these platform mechanics uh, that are designed to keep you um, within or, or doing a particular behavior in order to um, increase your dependency on the platform. You got to watch out because Twitter does not reward you for being your whole self on Twitter. Twitter rewards you for being a symbol, um, basically acting like a human brand um, and just tweeting about one specific topic uh, that people can understand and that you stick to. So as soon as you try to deviate from your like one topic, uh, it's going to be harder to maintain the same engagement rates. Um, I found more and more success in growing my audience when I got more and more specific about what I was talking about. So first I was just Anthony, you know, I tweet about sandwiches, I tweet about travel, uh, learning languages, all kinds of shit. Nobody cared because they don't want to follow a human. They want to follow uh, a topic. Um, so that's why you see so many people who are like, oh, I'm the newsletter guy. I'm the community guy. I'm like X guy. Even if they're a girl, they're X, whatever the guy is, right? The idea is, um, you're just going to be about one thing. And so people understand that and they can follow you. Um, one way to kind of deal with that, if you really want to talk about multiple things, is have multiple accounts. So multiple accounts for different languages you want to tweet in, multiple accounts for different topics you want to tweet about. The other thing you can do is like defer being your whole self, um, tweet about just one specific thing and expand the scope over time. Uh, but if you try to be your whole self day one on Twitter, um, you can still make friends like that. You can still like be a participant, but you're going to have a really hard time being um, like a highly followed person by trying to do everything. So you really want to be as specific as possible. Yeah, absolutely. So now we're going into like, what is the cost of building in public, right? We need to be able to calculate and evaluate um, what you're doing um, from a very objective and analytical point of view. So Anthony tweeted this tweet about building in public um, and that it's not marketing if you make zero sales and it went viral. And so I know a lot of you may be thinking, okay, this audience building thing, this uh, building public thing, like it's justifiable to put in all this time and all this effort and all of this focus because I'm going to make money at the end of the day. But if your target audience, if your target market, if they're not actively on Twitter, if they're not in this little bubble that we call indie Twitter because it's a niche audience market. And so if your product or your service falls outside of that, then what you're doing will not uh, 
guarantee or any type of revenue. And so you have to consider the hours that you would be wasting and the years that you would be spending pursuing something and you have no way to guarantee what the, the end goal is because the platform has no end goal. The platform is designed to keep you on it forever. There's no milestone that you can possibly reach that will satisfy you because the algorithm will make sure to increase or change or do something that will keep you on it and keep you dissatisfied. So you really have to think of what is the end goal here? If the end goal is to make sales, then there are better ways to do that. You don't have to build in public. And if you're not targeting indie makers, indie founders, then what you're doing will absolutely not guarantee any sales because this is a this is a bubble. Um, yeah. So I want to add a couple things I've noticed from that. Like one, people really overestimate how much like a Twitter following correlates with real world success. Uh, let me be the first to tell you it it don't. <laughs> uh, people started following me before I was making any money. I still I'm only making like my, up to like five grand a month right now with Indie Worldwide. I have way more followers than people who are making like hundred thousand dollars a month because they're just not active on Twitter. People ascribe. Uh, much more success to you than is deserved based on uh, that number. And if I think if I spent the same amount of time I've spent on Twitter on like just cold emailing people, I think the number would honestly be much higher, but it just isn't as addicting to do that kind of work as it is to play around on social media. Um, right. Yeah. And then there was something else I wanted to say, but maybe I'll remember after because I forgot. Yeah. Yeah. All numbers are definitely not equal. <laughs> okay like they're not equal and the worst thing that you can do for your business is to treat um the numbers the same to equate follower count with your future success it does not it absolutely does not the flip um, side of that is if you see someone with a bunch of followers like don't be afraid of just hitting them up directly chances are they don't know what the heck they're doing they're just on twitter all day and they have a big following account so um if you have something to say to him, like, don't be afraid of replying and using your own, like, actual real-world expertise expertise for, for content. Probably one of the most effective ways to use Twitter is not to bother at all with growing your audience. Just tweet interesting things every now and then and use it as a way to reach out directly to certain people that you want direct access to. Because one of the things it is really good at is it's, like, a fully contextual platform. So if you reach out on cold email you have to provide a lot of context to explain who the heck you are. If you reach out on LinkedIn, um, they can read your resume, but it's probably gonna get dismissed most of the time because it's mostly like recruiters and spammers reaching out on LinkedIn. If you have like a actual like personalized Twitter profile where you are being yourself and you DM people um, in a casual way, so not in a spammy cold outreach way, but just trying to actually be friends with people, uh, the response rates are really good because people can see who you are and they believe you. More on Twitter, I think, than on anywhere else. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So in terms of business, you need to assess um, a lot of what you're doing. Like, don't treat your time as if it's an infinite resource. You have all the time in the world to spend years and years building this audience, and you have no idea whether or not it's going to translate 
into some type of revenue. Um, and then your focus, if you're trying to build your business and you're trying to audience build and you're trying to do so many things, chances are you're not going to hit any of those goals. And then all of the work that you're putting in, like your energy depletes pretty quickly on Twitter. Uh, reply to two tweets and chances are that's going to be, that's going to drain you, right, for the day. So if you have a lot of different tasks that you have to accomplish for your business and yet still you're spending all this time on Twitter, um, your business is definitely going to suffer. And what is going to happen is you're going to spend all of this time and all of this energy and have nothing to show for it in terms of the business growth and your revenue and all of the personal development that comes with being successful um, in business. So let's talk about like what is the the alternative method for for doing all of this and so like there's this concept called building community um and it's it's kind of founded by a community builder called will sherry and i read her article and, and it just really touched on so many good points and so um anthony tweeted uh, about building an audience versus finding community. And some people didn't really get it. So I just want to kind of go into that a bit. So there's a performative aspect about audience building, right? There's a limit and a restriction to what you can say and what you will share and the people you will meet and the conversations you will have because all of that is largely predetermined by the algorithm, which is why it can never be a true community. And that's the real reason why a lot of people end up joining paid communities and also why Anthony built Indie Worldwide. So for Indie Worldwide, for example, um, what you get access to is immediate, right? You don't have to spend any time building anything because it's a pre-built community. And so you get that immediate access to quality people because not only is it pre-built, but it's curated for you. And so you have that diverse range of people. It's not this bubble. It's not this echo chamber. It's not controlled by an algorithm that will dictate who you um, will meet based on who sees your tweet. It's very organic. It's centered with you in mind. And so there are multiple avenues for you to meet people, so many different ways to connect, so many different ways to find support and find people that will help you with your business journey. Another great thing. I just want to tag on that. It's like it, you really want to know what you're looking for. So what are you looking for when you're trying to build an audience and understand if there's easier, faster ways to get it, right? So if you're looking for like the instant feedback, the hive mind, the um, like more eyeballs on whatever you're building, uh, definitely worth looking at pre-built communities that get you there faster. You can find these kind of bubbles in Twitter if you're willing to put in the work and like curate your feed. And I think it's it can be really worthwhile to do that, but just always be super aware of the opportunity cost. Like, do you want to spend a year trying to find your people on Twitter or can you find them somewhere else? Exactly, exactly. And then there's this other component of what are you motivated by? Are you motivated by the actual people that you're talking to and connecting with? Or are you kind of motivated by hitting these goals that don't really have that um, substantial value? 
Because when you're in a community, there's no performance metric, there's no analytics, there's no audience goals. So you can just show up. You can just show up and be yourself and have conversations without being restricted by a platform. You can show up and have these deep level, deep minded um, types of conversations that will give you insight, that will give you actual solid, um, practical, contextual advice because you, your, your energy is not sucked into trying to please the algorithm. <laughs> so you have time and energy to spend on the things that actually matters, which is connecting to people and having them to support you in your journey. Yeah, I think that really sucks sometimes about making friends on Twitter is the relationships there can be really transactional and like and like um, Sam said, really like performative, right? So when you're replying on tweets, you're kind of always forced a little bit to try and sound smart. Um, and you're following these profiles that might not stick around one week to the next. It's really hard to kind of get beyond just, hey, we're like following each other because we both want more reach on this platform to, you know, actually having an ally who cares about what the fuck you're building. Exactly. And not only that, but like because like you're moving this artificial element that is secretly kind of controlling so many different um, behaviors behind the scenes and, and motivations behind the scenes, um, you're able to learn more, right? Because you're more engaged, you're more immersed in a, a positive environment and there's so many different ways in which for you to learn. It's not just two-dimensional. There's events, there's meetups, there's different channels in the Slack, there's opportunities to DM people one-on-one, -on -one. there's opportunities to have video calls, there's, there's webinars, there's so many different other things that are being made available for you to learn and be engaged and you know share your story and get further context. And it's just, a better environment. It's a more positive environment. It's organic um, and it's people focused, right? The algorithm is not, it does not care about you. Okay. Twitter as a platform does not care about you at all. This is an environment where people actually care about what you're doing, what you're building, the things that you struggle with, the things that you need help with, um, the things that you offer. And when you're in an environment where people actually care about you and they're willing to support you, you will absolutely grow a lot faster. You will absolutely avoid mistakes and things that will uh, potentially harm or kill your business. So it's just a better um, environment and place to be overall. Yeah, I think if you so if you've like pondered on this and you've decided yes, like um, I understand what I'm getting into with building not just on Twitter but any platform. I definitely want an audience. Like I want to create this like moat for my business, which is like a really good reason to have an audience it's still good to find ways to give yourself like psychological battle armor to go after that. Right. So, and I think one really good way to do that is to find a group of people who are trying to do the same thing that you can rely on and kind of separate a little bit your like real ego from the platform you're building on, whether it's like Twitter, like you're trying to build like a YouTube channel, whatever it is. If you mm, become like too psychologically vulnerable to that platform, then as this, as soon as you get your first like hate tweets, um, you're gonna take that really personally. Whereas if you've kind of established yourself more with your crew, whether you, if you're like an indie hacker building in public, maybe you find that at Indie Worldwide, 
if you're like trying to be a YouTube star, maybe you like create like a YouTube mastermind, whatever it is, it gives you some like psychological def defense there. And also then gives you um, people to give you like real feedback off platform. That's actually like um, can be critical without needing to perform on the platform itself. And like in the Indie Worldwide case, right? Like a lot of build and public people are also on Indie Worldwide. It's a good way to get like the initial traction on those tweets and stuff because um, you can share it in the community first, get the feedback, get some like initial likes and things, get your engagement rate above 10%. So it actually has a chance to grow. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I think we can open it up for a little Q&A. I saw a bunch of questions already. So right. I think I'll just scroll up and start going down through. Right. Um, um, I think I should, I'll, I'll just stop sharing for a minute. Okay, cool. And I'm going to share a link over to Indie Worldwide if anybody is interested in checking us out. Um, this will be my like one and only sales pitch. If you're not already a member, um, today's a really good day to sign up because we're raising the prices by like 70% tomorrow. Uh, today it's 29 a month or 290 a year. Tomorrow, it's going to be 49 a month or 490 per year. So if you sign up today, you get that price forever. Um, we don't raise prices for existing members. If you sign up tomorrow, then it's more expensive. Um, so I'm going to go from the top. I made a tweet about being here. Connect, love to connect. Do, do, do. Um, Sotfix says, have a, do I know about Twimex? Nope, never heard of it. <laughs> Mostly write content. Um, so Helen asked, what did Anthony say is a good percent engagement? Uh, I found it above 10%. This one stuff keeps growing. Torsten is stuck at a thousand followers. So he's at like one of those plateaus that Sam talked about. Um, I guess I'll check out your profile and maybe send you a DM directly. Maybe I actually I'll share my screen and take a look at it. So in case it's relevant to everybody. So Torsten says he's stuck at around a thousand. Um, I would say the obvious thing is he's trying to be a bunch of, he's trying to be his whole self on Twitter. So he's talking about sailing, ASF, what is that? Apache software, Excel cloud, honeypot, flip-flops. Um, yeah, there's no like story being told by this profile, right? Um, so it's unclear why I care to follow Torsten. This bit's okay for tech and yarn. The profile picture itself is a little weird. That's not necessarily bad, but, um, the more attractive you can look, the more people uh, assume nice things about you also. So it's good to have like a profile picture that shows you in the, in the best possible light, I think. So I'd say the main problem on the bio side is just like, this is confusing and talks about a lot of things and doesn't tell a clear story. I'm guessing that there's no um, meta analysis going on to see what gets the most clicks. And if we go into like tweets and replies, 49 minutes. Mm, it's hard to tell if you're replying with enough um, frequency to push the needle um, or like enough, if you're being interesting enough in your replies, right? So I'll see like lots of really quick replies on my tweets that are just like, congrats or good job or like me too or whatever but it doesn't actually add anything to the conversation. And so it doesn't give me or anybody else reading the reply any reason to follow you. Um, so rule number one, be interesting. Uh, it's You definitely want to be replying to people every day, but make sure those replies are actually interesting enough for people to care to check out who you are. Um, yeah. 
another thing, so just like a couple technical details. Um, Twitter seems to really like under promote any tweets that have links, uh, hashtags or tags in the first level tweet. So um, if you include any of those things, like especially I think hashtags are especially ironic because like they were invented on Twitter. Um, be aware that they might reduce uh, your initial reach on that tweet because Twitter seems to to punish those. Um, things that it seems to reward though are images and uh, video. So including those can sometimes help boost a tweet that might not have gotten engagement otherwise. And um, even things like clicking on an image counts as an engagement and seems to kind of feed into that 10% uh, metric. All right, so other questions. Um, Jesus wants to know how I want my steak. I like my steak medium rare or even rarer than that. Fries on the side, depends on the fries. Um, one thing we shared in the chat that didn't make it into the recording yet is the fake follower uh, audit. So there's a tool called uh, SparkToro that lets you audit your fake followers. Why does this matter? Um, if you have a bunch of fake followers, then you're going to have a lower percentage of engagement on your tweets because most of them are fake. So you can use this SparkToro.com. Um, you can throw in any Twitter account and see what percentage of their followers are fake. So it looks like about 8% of my followers are like bots and stuff. Um, and this gives you a good sense of how legit an account is. Sometimes you'll see an account with 100,000 followers and they're getting like one or two likes on a tweet. Then you throw them into SparkToro and it's like, oh, you know, 50% of their followers are fakes. And it's like, ah, of course. Um, what does fake mean? It, it can include real people that have just been inactive for too long. So like if you were popular on Twitter five years ago and then you come back, um, you're going to see a huge drop off in your engagement. Um, one, because Twitter doesn't know what to do with you anymore. And then two, because the people that were following you before might not be on Twitter anymore for whatever reason. Uh, so that can be really useful just for context. Suffix says he has zero fake followers. Congrats. Ashni says, used to be really active on Twitter, saw account grow, took a break, and now responses are dead. Yep. So it sounds like the similar kind of thing happened as what I think happened to Pascal. Also, uh, you kind of just have to start from scratch a little bit, like go back to, to step zero, uh, make sure that you're telling a good story in your profile. Step one, focus more again on replying to people, curating your feed for activity, um, and kind of build your way back up until you have again a base of people that are active on Twitter and following you and know who you are. Um, let's see. Typefully is great for scheduling. I agree. Uh, crypto bots harassing me. Uh, I'm really aggressive with blocking bots. Makes my experience much better. You can also block ads sometimes, um, which means less ads will show up on your thread. And also use the ad block tool. Uh, Sadfek asks, um, he says, wanted to ask how well tweet threads, tweet storms work. For some people it works well, for others it doesn't. And people also block anything with the thread emoji. I don't know about blocking people, blocking with the thread emoji. I guess some people probably do, but I haven't heard of that. Um, so it's, I mean, it's the same rule as always. It's like, are your tweet threads interesting enough for people to want to share it? And that determination, it's going to be 90%, 99% based on your very first tweet in the thread. So if that first th tweet makes a strong, interesting promise, 
people will like and share it without reading the rest of the thread. Uh, I don't do a ton of threads because I see that like, uh, you know, a hundred likes on the first and then 10 on the second. And like, okay, are people even reading the second tweet? Often no, like the drop off is severe. So um, I'm more likely to write. Yeah, come baby. Unmuted, that should be muted. Find them and mute them. Maybe they've muted themselves. Um, I'm more likely to tweet each tweet in the thread individually now because um, if they each stand on their own, then I think the total engagement tends to be better. Some ideas work better in a thread. Um, and the, the other thing on replies is that if you have a popular tweet and then you reply, the reply gets more traction sometimes than it would have on its own because Twitter already saw like the popular, popular tweet. So you can use that either for like kind of a long running tweet thread where you occasionally add things, or you can use it to promote your shit, right? So once you have an audience and you have a good tweet, then you can add the tag. You'll see people kind of doing this all the time. Like they add whatever it is they want to sell underneath their popular tweet, and it'll drive some sales for them. Um, it works for Indie Worldwide. Like I'll tweet like something relevant to Indie Hackers, often like a revenue milestone. If it gets enough engagement, I'll add the tag. Be like, hey, like sign up for Indie Worldwide something relevant to what I said in the last tweet, it'll get anywhere from like five to 20 clicks and a few people will sign up. Um, the downside of that is if you tweet the same link too many times, Twitter might start to hide it. Um, like I said before, anything with a link in it gets uh, hurt by the algorithm. So that's well, again, why it's better to put it in the reply and stuff. So it doesn't hurt the um, growth of the initial tweet. Um, and if you do it too much, also you, you look like just a salesman and maybe won't get the same kind of engagement. Let's see, Pip Pascal mentions that you see the same thing with like Twitch and YouTube creators where they feel like they have no life because they have to create content all the time. Definitely true. Um, I think it's even more severe on these higher effort platforms like YouTube and Twitch because you're really putting your whole face and personality out there. So it probably feels even more personal. Kristen asks what I would recommend to startups trying to build and engage uh, audience. So my um, biggest corporate account is Indie Worldwide at about 3K followers. It's a lot harder to grow a brand account, like a business account, than it is to grow your personal account. One hack that I think has a bit of an effect, but I don't actually have enough data to confirm is using a human like face for the brand. So I started using this like 3D avatar for Indie Worldwide. Um, I think it helps to get a little bit higher engagement. Basically though, the same rules apply. Um, and actually I'm even more aggressive with the brand accounts about like following a bunch of relevant people in order to get follow backs. Um, just like replying a few times a day and then just like tweeting interesting tweets. It's pretty much the same strategy, but you're gonna see lower engagement off the bat from any brand account and you have to be ready for that. Um, one big source of like follower growth for Indie Worldwide is that we are a community. Whenever people join, I send them a, a DM that says, hey, like, are you following Indie Worldwide? Um, so a lot of brands are growing their following off platform and they're just like redirecting people to also follow them on Twitter. I think you're much better off investing in a personal account where you talk about what you're building versus trying to grow the brand directly because people are much more likely to engage with you, a real person. And then you could always 
like mention your brand in your tweets and people will go follow the brand as well. Um, but the, the uh, return on investment is a lot better by having a more personal account. Uh, Pascal says he loses 300 followers every time he tweets about Star Trek. Yep, makes sense. Your takes are probably terrible. Uh, Sadfix says, no, he's replying to Nitin. Okay, Nitin asks, what if your account covers two to three broad topics? So in reference to when I was talking about like being just one thing at a time on Twitter. Um, yeah, it's you're just going to have a much harder time finding um, growth because if you're tweeting about, people like to follow just like one particular topic. So if you're really interested in AI and you're also getting like random tweets about cooking or like uh, random conflicts around the world, um, they're gonna they're gonna tune you out or they're gonna get rid of you. And they'll even even if you tweet like in the wrong language, um, like if people follow you as like an English language account and suddenly you're tweeting in Spanish or something, um, you might get unfollowed because they don't know what you're talking about and they want to keep their threads clean you know just they just want to see stuff that's relevant to them so if you want to talk about different topics i would say pick one topic first make your account just dedicated to that one topic and if you want to spend even more time on twitter then make me maybe make a new account uh, if the topics are close enough together like oh i'm an indie hacker building ai startups then you can talk about ai and startups and build in public and like programming and it's all relevant um, but if they're very different topics, like, oh, I want to tweet about AI and, um, like world news, uh, that's not going to go as well, unless you specifically have found a good way to bury those two topics. Mm -hmm. Um, Soptic recommends multiple accounts also, especially different ones for shit posting. I would say yes, definitely. Um, um, so Stefan asks personal creator or professional account. I'm still on a personal account. I don't actually know what the benefits are of those other two. And I'm a little bit afraid that if I change my account type, the algorithm will treat me differently in ways that I don't can't predict. Um, so I'm staying on the personal account for now. Uh, uh, Helen says, you never know if someone is lying about how much their MRR is very true. Uh, Nicholas asks, how do you make the decision if it's the right call to in, like invest in audience building on Twitter? So it's kind of back to like, what do you want out of your audience to begin with? If you want sales, then one that probably only makes sense if the audience, if uh, the users you want to sell to are on Twitter. So if you're trying to sell to uh, like Nebraskan farmers, I'm sorry, but they're probably not on Twitter, right? You're probably better off going to Nebraska and like posting flyers locally um and that applies to almost anything like a lot of audiences are not on twitter in the first place so it doesn't make any sense to invest the time there for the sake of reaching customers so step one what are you there for um, on the other hand if that same person who's targeting nebraskan farmers um, is on twitter to find like uh business advice and stuff then maybe it's worthwhile because they could find people to reach out to they don't necessarily need to bother building an audience, though. They could just send DMs to relevant people, or even better, probably, is join a community of other people building like farm tech software would be more relevant. So figure out what it is you're trying to get first, and then kind of like first principles approach. Is there an easier, faster way to get that same thing? 
nine, I think nine times out of 10, the answer is yes. Um, the one thing that Twitter is always great for is just like, oh, I'm pooping and I need to waste time. Great use case, uh, very useful. Um, Pascal says, I'm a literal angel and I will accept the compliment. Nitin asks, what should goblins do? You know, same rules. Same rules apply for goblins as for humans. <clears throat> um, let's see. Helen, I know for a fact we did take a selfie together, so your comment is a lie. Um, yes, I don't pay royalties for the pictures I took of Pascal. You'll have to sue me. And what else? Uh, okay, Umer asks, with the recent changes Elon is making to Twitter, is it still worth growing a Twitter audience? Uh, it's really hard to say right now. Like, it seems like people are complaining, as always happens, about Twitter on Twitter, which makes me think that the platform will continue to stick around and be relevant and people will keep using it. The most existential threat is like too many people get fired for them to maintain the service anymore. The UX starts to suffer um, and people leave the platform just because it becomes unusable. I think that's the most likely negative scenario. I don't expect Twitter to go down, um, but I also don't have all my eggs in the Twitter basket, right? Indie Worldwide Newsletter has about 5,000 readers. Um, the community, like the Slack has like several hundred people in it. And um, I like Twitter is probably the number one source of signups, but it's still only about like 60%. So we're not totally dependent on Twitter to keep growing the business. And I wouldn't recommend you put your whole, uh, all of your effort and time into Twitter as your one and only source of uh, like new leads in business. I think that's probably a bad idea, but I don't think it's um, that likely to totally fail that it's not worth investing at all into a Twitter audience. Um, Pascal asks, has a bunch of old followers, should I block them? No, I don't think it, uh, all that matters is what is the engagement rate on each individual tweet. Um, it doesn't matter so much like who's following you because if they're inactive, they're not going to see your tweet anyway, so they don't count towards the denominator of the engagement rate. Um, I think it would be a waste of time to go through all your old followers and, and unblock them. Just focus on being interesting and interacting with new active people. Same goes for Torsten, who asked the same thing. <clears throat> Suffix says, could I cover Twemex really quickly? Uh, no, because they don't know anything about it. So people can look it up on their own. Um, uh, Jose says, I don't use Twitter Professional. I have no idea even what Twitter Professional does. So I don't know if I should use it or not. It hasn't had any effect on me that I am aware of. Ashni asks, is there a way to block remove bots? Let me show you really quick. You can on each individual reply. Uh, like every time you see an account, you can click on the like more and you have like mute block as options. And I just, I don't know if there's a way to mass block. I just block people individually if they're trying to sell me Bitcoin or whatever. Um, is there anything else in here? John says, what do you think of ads on Twitter to build followers? I don't have an opinion. I haven't tried it. 
And I think that's it for questions. So guys, thanks so much for being on this call. This whole thing is being recorded. Assuming the recording succeeds, I'll upload it to a private link on YouTube and send it out to y'all. Um, maybe cut it up and put it on Twitter or something later, but we'll see about that. If you have questions that we didn't get to cover, hit me up on Twitter, or if you're in the Indie Worldwide Slack, that's always the fastest way to, to contact me. Um, and we can actually have like better discussions there. And yeah, if you are thinking about joining Indie Worldwide, for sure, check it out. Use that link I shared. I'll share it again in the chat just for convenience. We'd love to see some more of you guys over there. Um, and it was really cool to see so many uh, current Indie Worldwide members in the chat today. I think it really reinforces that community is means a lot more than just people you tweet at. It's people you actually, um, you know, like, know, understand, and see in lots of places. So I'll see you guys. See you guys on the internet. <laughs>